Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man by James Joyce Once upon a time, and a very good time it was, there was a moo cow that met a Nysons baby tucku. His father told him that story. When you wet the bed it is warm, then it gets cold, then it smells. His mother had a nicer smell than his father, who was younger than his Uncle Charles and Dante. The wide playgrounds of Clongaz were swarming with boys and he was caught in the scrimmage. Tell us, Deedless, do you kiss your mother? Wells asked. I do, Stephen replied, not knowing if it was the right answer, or indeed why he had recalled this particular such a conversation. But he thought it must be important for the very reason that he had recalled it, and his mind slipped to God. He knelt down to pray. O oh God, please help me find a voice. That's recognisably James Joyce. His father and Dante were rowing over something called politics. What was this politics thing? You're a sinner, Simon, Dante said to his father, and so is Parnell. Parnell was dead. He might die too. Was it cancer or canker? Brother Michael had given him no medicine, so perhaps he was not ill. He went down to classes, and Father Dolan was in a wax because he had not been writing, but Father Arnold had told him to scut as he had broken his glasses. "'You are an idler, Deedless,' Father Dolan had said, striking him with the pandy-bat. His eyes smarted with the injustice, and he went to see the rector. "'Haroo!' the other boy shouted. And this ended the chapter." He was older now, so his prose became less childish, and he sat daydreaming of the Count of Monte Cristo, for he was growing weary of his parents' company. The sounds and smells of Dublin were fresh and complex to him, and he struggled to keep up with all the footnotes. A friend invited him to a party at Black Rock. Hello, said a girl named Emma. I cannot talk, he replied, for serious young men need no distractions from their solipsism. Far better I should stalk you on the bus and write Byronic epics. O oh, sweetest, fairest E, I have a terrible dial E. This verse this gentle poet knows is just as dire as his prose. Things are set fair, Stephen, his father said, but he knew better. He had heard his mother say his father had lost all his money and Stephen would not be returning to Clongau's. You have heresy in your essay, said Mr. Tate. What did he care for heresy at Belvedere College? The teachers and his classmates were fools. They did not understand his metamorphosis. Cardinal Newman would have felt his pain of a beating with a cabbage stump. He yearned to lose the shackles of his religion, of his very Irishness, yet there was still no voice inside him save an annoying protean adolescent Noel. He spent the money he had won for his brilliance on his family and cringed with shame at his father's antics. Where is my greatness? he cried to himself as he splashed through the horse-pissed streets of Dublin. Fancy a kiss, dearie, the woman said, and he tried to resist, but she pulled him close and he surrendered to her swoon of sin. Day after day he allowed himself to lust with ladies of darkness and their abominable fetuses. Disgust and remorse were etched in his soul, and he felt God's wrath upon him. Mad, mad! What had he done? But how could he bear the shame? 
And what would E think? Picavi, he said in Latin, to feel the purity of St. Francis Xavier. Pecavisti, the priest answered. You have been tempted by the pleasures of a straightforward narrative. For too many pages now you have written sentences that follow meaningfully on from one another. Your only hope is to join a seminary. Yes, he would be a priest. He would give his soul to the Cyborium. And yet there was E. And as he walked along the beach and saw a woman dancing in the sand, he knew he could not be Christ's disciples. He had transcended his Catholic bonds. He was an aesthete. Stephen grew weary of the shallowness of university life. How his friends loved to prattle on about the trivia of Irish nationalism. They stand and argue all long day about Parnell's lover, Kitty O'Shea. Had he not resolved these temporal feelings when he was but twelve... An artist could not be tied to statehood. There is the matter of the Tundish, the dean said. Stephen railed at the insensity of the Englishman. The language he is speaking is mine, he thought. I am Irish, yet I am forced to speak English. What kind of voice, what kind of life is that? I have seen the birds swirling symbolically in the sky, and I cannot go to church with my mother, Stephen declared. Nor can I be myself. I must to France. Don't go, his friends begged. Save both yourself and us from Ulysses and Finnegan's wake. 1. March At last I have a voice, a voice I have, a voice that is mine, a scutting, smugging, oozing voice. 2. April. Icarus can crash and burn. I don't give a simians whether any of you understand a sour-favoured word. 3. May. My clarity lies in my opacity, my penetrability in my impenetrability. And you, poor suckers, have fallen for my myth of genius.